If you want to pump your body and expand your mind, there's only one place to go. Mind Pump. Mind Pump. With your hosts, Sal Stefano, Adam Schaefer, and Justin Andrews. In this extra awesome episode of Mind Pump. Extra. So the back half of this episode, we talk about fitness and personal training. And the first 46 minutes is our introductory current events, uh, talking about our lives conversation. Here's what we talked about in the first 46 minutes. We start out by talking about video games. We love video games. But what about their impact on kids and do they cause more anxiety uh, do we need to start uh, regulating how much video games we play? We talked about uh, making being a dad cool again. I think we need to start a trend where being a good dad means you're an awesome dude and everybody thinks you're super cool. Let's get more dads out there. Yeah. Uh, we talked about on, millionaire statistics. I know a lot of people listening think becoming a millionaire uh, uh, is almost impossible, very difficult. But you would be surprised uh, at just how uh, achievable it is. Uh, just wait till you listen to the statistics that I read off in that part of this episode. Then I talked about cordyceps and stamina. Studies show that it improves stamina over placebo quite consistently. So if you want to improve your stamina and your endurance, if you want to be able to work out longer and harder, cordyceps may be something that will benefit you. Now, one of our best producers of the best quality cordyceps that we can find is Four Sigmatic. They are one of our sponsors. If you go to Four Sigmatic, that's F-O-U-R-S-I-G-M-A-T-I-C.com forward slash mind pump and use the code mind pump, you will get 15% off any of their products at checkout. Then we talked about the new Viore Fall Collection. Now, Viore is our favorite maker of athleisure wear. This is workout clothes that look good enough and feel good enough to wear all the time. Um, They are also one of our sponsors. If you go to Viori Clothing, that's V-U-O-R-I clothing.com forward slash mind pump, use the code that's on the page and uh, that you'll pull up and you'll get 25% off any of their products. I have a feeling me and Adam are going to compete over that uh, flannel. Yeah. <laughs> then we talked about Disneyland uh, and Britney Spears. Apparently she showed up the day after I left. Damn it. Sorry, oh. Brittany, you just missed me. Oh, one more time. Then I talked about the show on Amazon Prime called The Boys. I love it. I'm on episode four right now. Uh, we talked about the new Bill and Ted coming out. That's Bill and Ted Excellent. 3. That's going to be awesome. Adam brought up the Mario Lopez controversy. We touched on that for a second. Briefly. And then we talked about the statistic that apparently uh, polls show that 22% of millennials have no friends. Wow, that's maybe, that's sad. Maybe you need to stop being so annoying. Yeah, how about you get off your phone? <laughs> <laughs> then we get to the fitness portion of this episode. Uh, first question, what are some of the best cues we have found to work for the majority of the clients that we trained? So- Cues are when you tell a person to like pull your shoulders down or pretend like there's a pencil between your shoulder blades when you're doing a row, stuff like that. Like, what are cues that you can use on your clients? And if you're not a trainer, these, a pencil, so. these cues can can help you train yourself. So we talk all about that. The next question, this person wants to know how we talk about convincing somebody to focus on performance and strength instead of just their looks and why that's important. Why is it important to focus on performance over looks? For some people, the next question we this person wants to know what our biggest developments are, uh, or, or that we saw in ourselves um, when we became fathers. Adam uh, also chimes in. Now he's a dad, so he's experiencing what that's all about. So we have some good dad talk and raising kids talk in that part of the episode. Dad life. And the final question: This person wants to know what staying authentic 
means to all of us. It's becoming like a buzz term now on social media, authenticity. But what does that really mean? And what does it mean, more importantly? It looks good on a shirt. To us. Also, this month, all month long, this is the first time we've ever done this, Maps Prime and Maps Prime Pro, both programs, 50% off. Now, Maps Prime is a program that teaches you how to individualize your priming session, also known as your warm-up. Now, why is this important? Well, a basic warm-up prevents injury, but a priming session sets your body up to activate the muscles you want to activate better and to move better. In other words, a good priming session will make your workout, whatever your workout is, I don't care what it is, it'll make it much more effective. And it's individualized. There's a test in there that you take for yourself, and it'll direct you with the right movements that you need to do for your own body. Now, MAPS Prime Pro, that's for correctional exercise. So if you suffer from pain, uh, if you have issues with mobility, MAPS Prime Pro will focus on the joint in question, so it covers all the major joints, and you can do the movements in there and take the tests and figure out how to get better mobility and better movement. Now, if you're a personal trainer, both programs extremely, extremely valuable. These are things that you can use to help bring value to your client's training. Again, both programs 50% off. Here's how you get the discount. Go to mapsfitnessproducts.com and use the code PRIME50, P-R-I-M-E-5-0, no space for the discount. Do it now because this promotion will not be back for a very long time. Also, I do want to mention uh, one of my favorite podcasts, aside from Mind Pump, of course, is the Jordan Harbinger podcast. He's one of the best interviewers I've ever heard uh, on this uh, medium, um, and he's actually here with us right now. Jordan, uh, get, recommend an, uh, an episode to my audience. Like, tell what? Where should they? What's the first episode they should listen to? When they tune into your show. Yeah, so a lot of our stuff is instructional, but I also interview a lot of well-known personalities. And look, if you're not interested necessarily in hardcore science or dynamics or something like that, one that did really well recently was 196, and that was Moby. Moby, the iconic musician. And at first I was like, okay, Moby, what's this guy going to teach me? He, this guy has struggled a lot, man. He was a serious drug addict, alcoholic, and this is before... You know, he got famous and that only made it worse. And he was talking about chasing fame, what elements really make people happy and how your success can actually make you really miserable. And look, I've got a lot of episodes that we've recommended before from antibiotic resistant strains of bacteria that could kill all of us to photographers that have gotten kidnapped in Syria. But Moby was a good personality profile of somebody who has been through the ringer and is now like actually didn't need any of that. I think a lot of guys like you and I probably included were thinking like, oh, if I only had this, if I only had that, that's a guy who had all that and then was like, nope, that's not the good stuff that's making me happy. It was really interesting. And in 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 today in modern times, this is something that I think people need to hear. It's like it just because you have everything doesn't mean you're going to be happy. Yeah. Did he surprise you? Did you expect oh, that yeah. at all? No. And also I thought, oh, well, he must have a good ghostwriter because it's a really well-written book, his latest book. And I asked him, did you write this? And he said, yeah. my His grandfather is Herman Melville, who wrote Moby Dick. And that's why his nickname is Moby. No! Yeah. That's weird. So... He's like, I had to write my own book. I couldn't hire it out. How awkward would that be? And he's just a really smart guy. People think he's just a musician. He's actually really, really smart. I think he has like a PhD in philosophy or something. Wow, that's yeah. very interesting. But your, your your podcast is phenomenal. It's one of the other the only few podcasts that I listen to on a regular basis. Uh, for one, I like to hear how you interview people to make me better. 
But then the guests you have are just, uh, I don't know how you get a hold of them or whatever, probably because you're so big. Um, but they're uh, phenomenal. Your episodes are great. So if you're going to listen to another podcast, you need to check out the Jordan Harbinger podcast. You can find it on all platforms, including iTunes and Spotify. Make sure you go check them out. I had the original Atari, what was it, Atari 2100 or whatever? What was it oh, called? Yeah, 1900? Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Do you guys remember? The floppy it, disc? It, it like came 1600. with. No, I didn't have floppy disc. <laughs> that was remember, before that. Yeah, before that. It had. Um, 2600. Uh, 2600. Yeah, Thank it you. It came with joysticks, yeah. right? So you had a joystick, which a lot of kids don't even know what the hell that is. It's literally a stick. It's joyful. And there was one button. So there's one button and a stick. Yeah. Now there's 85 buttons. I know. And then they, it also came with this little controller that had a button on the side and a rotating. Yeah, ball. Thing. Do you remember that? Yeah, yeah. it's for Pong and for uh, yeah, it's for Pong and what was the other game that you would play that with? Uh, Pitfall, maybe. No, no, Pitfall. You use the joystick. Pong for sure, though. Yeah, mm. it, but it wasn't a ball. It was like a rotating centipede. Maybe that game. No, yeah. it was a ball. No, it didn't have a ball at first. At first, it was just like a like a thing that you held like this. It was mm -hmm. like a knob that you turned. And you just turned. Oh, it, you're it. right. Remember that? Yeah, no, you're right. It was like a knob. I remember that, dude. That was the shit. My favorite was Indiana Jones. It was like terrible. <laughs> it's so funny because it's just stick figures. Yeah, it was terrible. Back what, then. what was the one with the tanks? Oh, yeah. That was another good one. That was what a great was game. I think it was just called Tanks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Pretty sure. <laughs> you're like, I'm in. I'll buy this. Yeah. Pong. Yeah, tanks. that's all you needed was yeah. like, yeah, one theme. Yeah. You know, yeah. keep it simple. And, and, and you'd have to fight other tanks. But really, all it was was if you looked at the screen, it was like a, a, sh a shape. No, it was, it was, it was, it was two. It was, yeah, it was two tanks. And it was, you would and, bounce the bullet off yes, the walls. Yes. Yeah, and you'd wow, try and kill God. the other one. That so, was a good game, dude. Yeah. That was a good you know what's funny it was now? Fun, yeah. I try to play. So Jessica's nephew, niece and nephew, came to visit, and they're all into you know video games, like all kids are now. My son, of course. Oh yeah, there it is. Nineteen seventy four Atari Tank, tank Arcade. Arcade. Game. Thanks, yeah. Doug, for bringing that back. Right. I was so this is older than I'm. I yeah. am then. This is nineteen seventy. So this game came out way before I was born. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, it's got all these objects in between. You bounce. Yeah. Them so anyway, I remember. So the he he comes over to stay at our house, her her nephew, and he and he brings his Xbox 360 or whatever. And so my son and him are playing. Uh, God, what's that game? All the kids are playing now. Damn it! They, where they do the funny dance moves and they learn it from the game. Right. You know, yeah. you know what I'm talking about. Why do I not know that? Dance, no, it's dance, Fortnite. Dance. Fortnite. Fortnite. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> so they're playing Fortnite, and so I'm all like, let me try, dances. right? And I'm not a bad gamer, totally. I played video games too. I just stopped by the time I was like 19. I just didn't play anymore. I was working and you know cared about other things. So, so Nintendo, bro. <laughs> as far as you made it. Yeah, yeah, but but there's like there's like 85 different buttons, and then bubble, the combinations bubble. of the buttons are. I'm like, how do you even remember? This takes you have to do this from birth. Because I'm trying to do it, and he's like, oh, you're pushing down on this one. Oh, do this one in combination with that one. Yeah. Turn this way when you push that, otherwise it doesn't work. And I'm watching them play, I'm getting dizzy. Yeah. I'm getting dizzy from the screen. You gotta all push the, the Z button, dude. Yeah. I'm Where's like, the fucking Z button? Z, I had, at most, A and B. That was it. Yeah. At most. Yeah. And, and no, and then when shit got real complicated, you push A and B together. Yeah. That was about <laughs> yeah. it, bro. You smash everything at once. That, that was like was, the movie. You were the friend Street that we, got, we all got mad ah. at. You. Oh, you're such a button pusher. Yeah. Button masher. Yeah, yeah you just yeah. button push. Yeah. Just yeah. smash, smash, smash. Oh, no, no, no. Yeah. I mean, I'm good. I'm good at a couple games. Street Fighter, that one's, that one's one I'll, I'll Yeah, take. that's definitely a button smashing uh, type of game. Oh, yeah. well, no. If you got to know the combos, dude. Oh, I see. You got to know the Well, I think I, hold, I think I hold the record in the room here for the NBA game. I think Justin's got the off-road. 
You know, oh, you, I definitely you, you didn't get a Street Fighter. Yeah, I guess we gotta get Street Fighter. You gotta get yeah. Street Fighter for me. So you could win something. All of yeah, I'll you pick. You need a win. You can pick my character. <laughs> I'll beat you with with uh, Wow, Dosh Long. I'll beat you with Dosh Long. No, you with Dawson. Dawson. Is it Dawson? Dawson. What'd you call him? I call him Dosh Long. That's his. That's his poor. That's his poor name. Dosh Long. Well, he shoots out his arms like like Go Go Gadget. You know who knows? Everything stretches. They call me Dosh Long. Exactly, Dosh Long is coming at you. Oh what was that? Was that your arm? No, <laughs> lower. Oh my gosh, that's terrible. My eye. Anyway, yeah. anyway, dude, I I can't. I tell you what, Adam, yeah. I I love uh, I love seeing you in the dad role, but it is it <laughs> is fuck you. It's no, no, no. Yeah, it's beautiful. I already know what you're doing, dude. No, I it's not, dude. Yeah. I'm not setting you up for a joke. It is a little funny though. That you kill, you come in and you're so tired and you're like, oh, this this is getting kind of hard. Like, <laughs> You just have to wait. start paying people off here. You, know? <laughs> you just like wait. the mafia. Yeah. You just wait, man. Uh-huh. It's a it's a tough gig. It is. Well, you know, I, I what I'm having a hard time with right now is uh, with the first couple weeks when I was just with her. Like I didn't. I went all night, all night long. I was up with her with the baby, and it was no big deal because I wasn't really coming in here. But now I'm back to coming into the studio more regularly and spending more time here. Mm-hmm. Which is requiring me to get up earlier and, yeah. and be on time to work, and so, you know, she. I think she just got used to that. She got used to my all my help throughout the entire night. Where now I'm like looking at her like, "Hun, I can't, I can't get up at two and four and six with you, with the baby because I got to get some sort of sleep before I go into work." Because yeah, she's still not, she's still out of work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. she's still, yeah, she's still. You, off of work. you have to. The way I look at it is, um, it's like when you run a company you have your players and everybody does their role and that's how the company you know is successful and thing and people help each other but you have to cuz what's hard about kids isn't the kids part is hard but it, what makes it really hard is the is life cuz then you got you still have to go to work yeah you know then they have school they have activities you have other family stuff you want to spend time with your partner you want to mm-hmm. spend time with your friends that's what makes it really hard. Man. Well, I think that the the greatest challenge right now uh, is of being a dad or the, what I'm going through right now is just that he feeds every hour and a half to two hours. I mean, that's that's crazy. <laughs> that's how you used to eat when you were competing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, every hour and a half to two hours, he is eating, and so and that doesn't stop through the night. It's not like he eats every hour to two hours through the day and then he sleeps all night now do you, you wake him up at night to feed or does he wake oh, up oh he wakes up to cry like clockwork oh yeah. yeah like clockwork he every once in a while he'll give us a, like a, a three hour or a two and a half hour a three hour nap but then he's really hungry and you could tell like that's when he wakes up he'll yeah. wake up crying if it gets if it goes to three hours otherwise he wakes up kind of nice around two hours and you can kind of see him moving around and then if she gets him right on the boob then he's good and then he goes right back to sleep again yeah but man, it's I mean that just the the breaking of the sleep up every two hours mm-hmm. that's the most challenging part for it's, sure. It's really great to see you to to see you in this role. I knew you would. I, yeah. I mean, we all knew you'd be a phenomenal uh, yeah. father, and, and Katrina would be, be an amazing mom. You know, I, I did that that post on my Instagram where I posted a picture of uh, of me with you know walking with my kids or whatever, and I got all these these great responses, and I realized that. You know, it's funny. We don't dads don't have to do a lot to get a lot of accolades. Um, I think we're just not expected to to do a lot. You know what I mean? Like it wasn't that long ago where if dad showed up to a couple of your ball games and went to work and came home at night, he was considered like an awesome right. dad, super dad. Yeah, and it's. It, I think what we need. I think what's important. What we need to do is start making being a dad 
like a, a very cool masculine thing. Like it's the most, it's the best thing you can do. In my opinion, one of the best things you could do as a man is being a great father. I think we need to have that societal pressure again because mm-hmm. there's so many dads out there that just don't even involve, man. It's crazy to me. Do you guys remember, yeah. I mean, I know it's been quite a while for both of you to go back all the way to like where I'm at right now. Do you remember things that like, it's vivid. Don't worry. Okay. okay. <laughs> so do you guys remember things that like you really wanted to instill in your kids and like stuff that you started doing right away, like early on, like, okay, I, I want him to like this or be into this, or I want this to be like, do you remember stuff like that? Or did you guys well, do sports and Star Wars were my first two. Right. Like so 100%. that's what I mean. Yeah. <laughs> so did you like make him sit down and watch? Like, they yeah. Was, yeah. Was it on? Yeah. It was like way too early. It was like, they didn't probably, get it right. Yeah. When he was like two, like my first son, like he was, we were just watching TV and I saw that Star Wars and, and like Courtney wasn't there. And so I was like, no, we're watching this. And it's like way, you know, like they make cases for like violence or whatever. I'm like, dude, it's lasers. Like, come on. Like, it's not that big a deal. And and then I remember getting a bunch of flack from like my mom and from Courtney for showing him too young, but dude, it worked. Like he was super into it and super into Legos. Like that was another one, Legos and Star Wars for me. Cause that was like half my childhood growing up. Like I loved that, you know, th- those two franchises. Yeah, no, my, my son was super into, um, Thomas the train. You guys know Thomas the train? Yeah. yeah. Okay. So he was super into that. And so every day I was just so excited, you know, to, to be a father every day I would come home with a new, almost every day with a new train. So I, I, I went a little overboard. He had like 200 something. I mean, basically all the characters, but he was so good at knowing their names and discerning them. And he would play with them all day that I thought it was a good thing. There were these two trains that were identical twins. And if you look underneath the train, this is before he could read. So he's like, you know, this is like right after he started talking. So he's like two and a half underneath the train is the name of the, of the train. But these two trains looked identical. And I'd tell him, I'd say, hey, you know, I'd tell my son, I'd say, hey, go get me. I don't remember the name of it, so I'll make one up. Percy. Like, yeah, go get me Percy or, or Sam or whatever. Yeah. And he'd come back and he'd get it, and I'd look at the bottom, and it was the right one. Then I'd mix them up, and I'd say, okay, which one is Sam? And he'd pick the right one. And I took me, <laughs> it took me a year and a half to figure out how he was doing it. I thought it was so weird. I was like, how does he know? I was looking to see if there was like a scratch on one of them or something. They were exactly the same. And then finally, at the time, my wife pointed it out. She goes, I think I figured it out. If you look closely at their faces, one of them, the eyebrows are straight across, and the other one, they're slightly tilted up. That's how he knew. Uh, wow. He's like two and a half, dude. Jesus, little, <laughs> and he knew which, which one was which, dude. It was well, so crazy. Well, that's the thing. Yeah, images and pattern recognition and all that. So it's huge. That, that's why I thought I thought my oldest, like, he could read, like, at a really young, but he, it wasn't, he wasn't reading. He was just seeing images and was like, milk. You know, you <laughs> would, like, drive by and it just said milk and it had, like, one picture of a like guy drinking milk. Read I'm like, oh, my, you're so brilliant. You know? <laughs> <laughs> so I got a genius. You know, like, stuff like that. That was happening all over the place. We, we read, there was this book that we used to read my daughter that she memorized. So one day she started reading it to me. And I'm like, is my daughter reading? <laughs> like, oh my God, she's a genius. <laughs> and then I was like, like I, I flipped and I flipped the pages and I just point to a word. I'm like, what's that say? And she like, say all the words. I'm like, oh, okay. So yeah. speaking of reading, I, this is a, a, uh, a market that I didn't even know existed in children's books because I've, I've got a ton of them now, right? That's been some of my favorite gifts I've received or all these different books. I've uh, Shauna from Organifi set, uh, sent over a book that just, I died laughing. I didn't know this, uh, and I don't know if this was around when you guys were buying books for your kids. 
is uh, there's a market for um, totally obscene uh, fucking books for children. What do you mean? Like, I, Not, I, are they for children? Or are they funny? Like pretending to be for children? Well, yeah, right. Oh, that's okay. that's what I'm saying. Like, I got a book that says like oh, "Go the like fuck ironic. to sleep," oh. and like yeah, yeah, yeah. every page is like it's like real like a cute rhyme, and then it's "Go oh, the fuck I've to sleep." That. Yes. Go the fuck to sleep, and then they go cute little rhyme. Go the fuck to sleep. Like that's the whole book. <laughs> Shauna sent me that's one hilarious. that was. Uh, don't be a cock block. Yeah. And so the the whole thing is, again, it's real cute, you know, the whole story. And then at the end, it's like, you know, don't be a cock block. Dad's That's trying to- funny. I, I feel like I read something like, <laughs> when they're like infants, right? Because they, they don't get it yet. Right. You know? So it's like you read something like that and it's just funny for the parents to kind of chuckle over. Yes. Yeah. I didn't even know I that. It, it, I yeah. didn't even know that was a thing. That's yeah. hilarious. Yeah, yeah. I've got like three or four. But those are the two I remember on the top of my head. But I got like three or four pe- I, I, people, I guess, because I swear. Uh, and so people know that. So yeah. they probably thought it would be funny. And it is funny. I think it's great, uh, but I'm like, I, I can't read this to him. <laughs> yeah, that's funny. That reminds me, you're, you're mentioning like things that you're trying to influence. Like music was another big one. So yeah. they, they have like those uh, rockabye baby thing, like these different like albums that they turn into like wind chimes and like, you know, like white noise from your favorite bands. So there was like Metallica, ACDC. There was like uh, something else that I got, but I had like uh, an ACDC. He loved uh, 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 not not hell's bells, but it was a uh, uh, thunderstruck. Oh yeah! And so it was just like he would he would start. Uh, 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 he was like one years old and just like, uh, 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 and he'd like walk downstairs humming it. I thought it was the funniest shit. Ever. Oh, that's hilarious! <laughs> yeah, I find myself dude. That's what. So the the two things I notice right now because obviously it does not matter. He's not. He can't even fucking see past twelve inches at this age, right? So yeah. he's. But I still got like basketball is always on the TV. Like I'm playing sports <laughs> on the TV. Yes, oh yeah, dude. for sure I oh, am. It makes a difference, I know bro. I, I'm for sure trying bro, to brainwash you. Might, you him. might do the opposite, like you might rebel. Maybe you know I mean? no, you back off of it, like yeah. you know later. But right now, dude, yeah, they, yeah, they yeah. cram them with it. That's, yeah, what, that's, that's, what that's, that's doing, my right? strategy. That's a, I even I even like I even rotate the music. So he's already got like plenty of rock, hip hop, pop, like country. Like I want him to be like I want him to be diverse in his music and have like have rhythm so like i'm t- I like yeah. making him listen to all this different music and shit well i think the the biggest uh, thing if you look at the studies on um on raising kids the most important thing is spending quality time with them and so when you look at studies where parents like where oh kids who get who read a lot or kids who listen to a lot of music and really what it narrows down is the fact that the parent is spending the time with the kid <clears throat> so a lot of it is just the fact that you're taking the time to do this and you're doing it with him, right? That's what makes like the biggest, biggest difference. You well, know? yeah, there's, oh, yeah. Uh, you know, it's I didn't realize how many different camps there were in, you know, like the sleep method and and oh, how yeah. how it when he cries, what you're what you should or shouldn't do, and it's pretty interesting to me. Uh, I mean, and people can be really like. This is the way. Well, think about it. They sell books, you know, so they're going to want you to be, they want to be divisive on some level. It's like, this is the method that you have to use, you know? Right. Like, yeah, they're going to be real, like, protective. I think a lot of it, too, has to, uh, there's a lot of it that's kind of instinctual, I think. I mean, totally. You know, I, 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 again, I I go back to um, that talk that I heard a while ago where they were covering statistics of, you know, good outcomes for kids. And the best outcomes were the high discipline, high love households. Mm-hmm. So these were households that had a lot of structure, and there were rules, clear rules that you know things that you don't do. But there was also a lot of love, mm-hmm. where there's lots of affection. The kids know that they're loved. 
you combine those two, and it, it, that's where you get the yeah, best Yeah, you're paying outcome. attention to what they're doing. Yeah, and that's know? pretty much that's it. Well, pretty I much get, the basis of all these methods. So. I've already seen things that have, have paid off even from work that we did in the in the tri, third trimester. So, you know, I think the third trimester is when he can really start to hear, right? He can hear everything that's happening out there, outside. And we were I was reading to him. So I was reading and talking to him while he was in, in Katrina's belly. And now, like when he, when he when he starts to cry, if I pick him up and I like talk to him like in vibration through his stomach, like mm-hmm. he just <laughs> completely settles down. And it's like, dude, that's because you got to think it's got to be muffled if he's inside of inside of her womb. Like you got to think it's going to yeah. be it's not going to be clear like me talking mm-hmm. to him. So that kind of muffling humming sound of my voice completely soothes him. And I you yeah I have to think that has something to do. With the time and effort that I put into, maybe right, it has uh, to be right. I just feel how would he know that that right away just to be soothed by my sound and my voice, and it's I feel like it's unique to me because I don't I don't think that Katrina has the same ability with him. When I see her try and settle him down, it's not the same as when I soothe him and settle him down with talking to him and, and his voice. So. Yeah, there's things like that that I'm already uh, picking up and noticing that, like, you know, that was something that I remember reading somewhere that you should do That's during cool. the time. And now I see it paying off with him b- getting cool. to these times where he's getting fussy and I can go over and I can just kind of talk to him and it completely settles That's, him down. That's cool. That's right. cool. Dude, I, I uh, to change subjects. Um, I was reading some statistics on millionaires yesterday that blew me away. Okay. Really, really blew me the fuck away. So. The first one, and this one you might have heard before. This one wasn't super mind-blowing, but I think it's a pretty cool one to to, to illustrate or at least to, to talk about, is that 80% of the current millionaires in America today, so the vast majority of them, 8 out of 10, are first-time millionaires. So that runs counter, really? yeah, so that runs counter to the idea that old money millionaires are millionaires, yeah, yeah because mom and dad gave them a lot of money or because they inherited a lot of money or because that's a, this, this is worldwide or this is just a, this, is, this is statistics for America America so we're in America uh, I would have never guessed that neither yeah, would have I totally no. but most, not 80% 80% most wow. millionaires are first time millionaires most millionaires are self made and and that's good news it that's is. very good news for people who are trying to become successful it's good to know that most millionaires are first timers they didn't inherit it no here's some more good news this one's a very cool one. Um, there are more... So for people listening right now, because this is a fitness podcast, this is going to blow your mind, especially our minds. Did you know that there's more millionaires in America than there are people with a six-pack abs? <laughs> that is a random fact. <laughs> but, oh, hey, I, I've had a six-pack wow. several no, times before. You know what? You know it's, what I'm saying? I've never been a millionaire. Yeah, you know? and when you do see it, I mean, it's it, there isn't a lot of people that like maintain that either. So well, I, so nine percent, and this was an article. It's about four years old. Nine percent of the 118 million households in the U.S. are millionaires. So if you're the head of a household, your odds of being a millionaire are one in ten. The number of Americans with six pack abs is estimated to be one out of every twenty five thousand. Whoa! Yeah. Wow. So you are far more likely. To, ha- to be a millionaire than you are to be shredded. Wow. <laughs> that's crazy. Well, now think about it this way. Yeah, that's more appealing to me anyway. How many, so we were trainers in Silicon Valley and at one point, you know, towards the end, we all became well-known trainers. So a lot of our clients were millionaires. Most of my clients, if not all of them, were yeah. very successful at one point. <laughs> and they were all struggling with trying to get lean and look fit or whatever, mm-hmm. but they all yet were became you know very successful. So it just goes to show you that that kind of success, 
You know, it's extremely achievable. I think we think it's more achievable. Well, to- it also highlights too that that type of success also tends to have a lot of sacrifice in other places too. I yep. used to always say this when uh, even being as a personal trainer, you could always tell how deep my pockets were based off of my physique. Like when I'm in, when I was in and this is not true anymore. This was early on in my career. This used to be true. Uh, I've I've since then hacked that, I feel, but w- early on if I was in great shape. All of my energy was put around yeah. training You're and dieting. living in the gym. Yeah, I was living the gym. That's all. And then when I was doing really well and very financially successful, a lot of my energy was put around making money. Now, it does sound a bit intuitive to say that, um, but I think that may be just your experience because statistically speaking, people who are successful uh, money-wise, a greater percentage of them exercise on a more regular basis and eat better. So so people who tend to be financially successful, this is not true for everybody, there's a greater percentage of them that are actually lean and fit than people who are yeah, less but, successful. Yeah, but to your point about a six-pack, what it takes to get yeah, six-pack lean is a different level of di- discipline and sacrifice. Yeah. To eat healthy because you're a smart, if you're a smart, if you're a millionaire, okay, there's, there's and there are exceptions to the rules, so I know it's an overgeneralization, but for the most part, you're probably pretty smart. Right, if you're a millionaire, if you made it, if you made millions of dollars, you're pretty smart. Which you're probably savvy and smart enough to know that taking care of your body and health and making good food choices and exercise will benefit your success. But you're going to do the the minimal amount to get the to get the success that you care more about. You're not going to go to the point where you're going to make sacrifices business wise so you can be ripped and shredded. So that's. I still think that highlights. That. I don't know. I don't know. It'd be it'd be it's interesting because I know what the statistics are on uh, on on fitness and successful people tend to be much more consistent with fitness and good nutrition. Now I don't know about the extremes, right? We're talking about millionaires. We're not talking about like the deep millionaires and or billionaires. And we're also talking about six packs, which is the extreme, right? Yeah, 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 you yeah, know, yeah. six so, pack would be extreme version of health. Yeah, it's that's not single this, digit body fat. Right, me. right. So mm-hmm. uh, I think there's a, probably a lot of millionaires that. You know, rock a dad bod that have you know they're good health and shape. They exercise two to three times a week and they make balance. Good, yeah, Maybe. they make good food choices and stuff like that. But they're grinding away at work because that's where a lot of their focus. Yeah, is. it's allocating your resources. I don't. You know, it's funny. I think <clears throat> if you if you I think we'd be surprised because this reading these statistics made me realize that a lot of times our perceptions are off of what actual reality is. Yeah, I would bet that yes, for sure you have the people who grind and work, you know, 80 hours a week. But I bet you that there's a, a decent percentage of millionaires who are millionaires, not necessarily because they work tons and tons of hours, but because, yes, they do work hard. They're also smart with how they work, and they know what to do with their money. Because a lot of times, you know, what's that book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad? I have family members like this. I have family members who just grind and bust their ass, and I have other family members who work hard, but then were they didn't buy the expensive car, they saved their money, they invested it, 15 years later, on paper, because of their investments and because they were smart, they became millionaires. And I bet you the vast majority of millionaires in America, if you think about, if you think, if you see that there's one out of every 10 uh, households could be a millionaire uh, or, or millionaires, that's what the statistics say. One, and out if of, 80, one out of 10, there's that many millionaires? But I think they're calling, I think they're talking about total wealth. I don't think they're talking about million dollars a, uh, a year in, in uh, ah, salary. Like they're counting okay. all the assets. Well, yeah. you're, counting, you're counting a house. Yeah. I mean, fuck, if you own a house in, if you own a house in fucking San Jose. You, sure, but still, but still, if you count all that value, you are a millionaire. We're thinking 
you make a million dollars a year. That's got to be a completely different statistic. Oh, yeah. You okay, know? that's what I'm assuming yeah. you're saying right now. No, yeah. that's got to be something totally different. I mean, making a million dollars in salary a year, you're, you're that's a that's a whole other category. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm totally confused here. I was, I, was, it was, I was under the impression that that's what you meant by that, mm-hmm. that, okay, if you're somebody who makes a million year over year, to have a million dollars, not to say that's not impressive, but to have a million dollars isn't as impressive if you did exactly what you said, if you've been the conservative person since you were 18 it's years totally old. totally plausible. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Totally. For yeah, sure. Definitely. Yeah, that's good news too for people who are, you know, trying to bust their ass and become independently successful or whatever. Not so good if they want abs though. If they want abs. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's an exclusive club, dude. <laughs> I, hey, dude. That's all it says to me. Like, you got to like really be all in. All the time. For, for six pack. I had a client, I remember I had a client like this who was super successful guy. He was in his, I want to say his 60s and I used to ask him like, what, you know, how how do you how did you become successful? What do I do? And he goes, Sal, he goes, just follow the formula. And he told me, you know, like work hard, invest your money, don't spend what you don't have, and that kind of stuff. And he says, and you'll be very successful. And and I said, really, it's just like follow. And he goes, look, he goes, it's harder to get shredded than it is to become successful. I said, no way. And he goes, I'm here hiring you, and I'm the one who's got the. He goes, trust me, it's much more difficult because you still have to follow the steps, but your steps are every day all the time. Mm-hmm. My steps, I, I, I'm a little bit more, I have a little bit more flexibility. I remember him, me and him had this huge debate about it and I left totally not convinced. I'm like, nah, he doesn't know what he's talking about. <laughs> Getting a six pack way easier. But now that I think about it and look at this, I'm like, I wonder if that's, imagine if you had dedicated as much time as you had put into building your physique and training and all that stuff into just simply, sure. you know, I'm sure it would be. Of the, course, that's going to be fruitful. Yeah, totally, right? Yeah. Anyway, cool stuff. Uh, one other study that I wanted to bring up to you guys was a study on cordyceps that I read the other day. Now, you guys know what cordyceps are, right? Yeah. That's uh, my favorite supplemental mushroom. Uh, my favorite source, of course, being our sponsor, Four Sigmatic. Well, anyway, I read this study on uh, on, via, on uh, VO2 max, mm-hmm. so stamina, essentially. and pe- Which is what it's best for. Mm-hmm. So people who supplemented with uh, cordyceps had an increase in their VO2 max by 7%, which was more than double the group that didn't take uh, the cordyceps. Um, After three weeks, it went up to 11%. So they found, and this is what I've always noticed with cordyceps, is I, if I supplement with cordyceps, where I get the most benefit is with my long kind of grueling workouts. I don't necessarily get more power from it. I get more stamina Hmm. from it. And that's what the study showed and in, in this particular study we had 30 participants in there it was like twice as effective in terms of if it gets too effective you know does that have the potential of being banned from like these olympic uh, games funny and- you say that they actually looked at um potentially banning um uh cordyceps a while ago when was the last olympics that was the one that was in china oh yeah, yeah Be- it, beijing was, was it? yeah i remember what year it was the the Chinese athletes were talking about using cordyceps, and because they were performing so well, they did some. They were digging in to see if they should ban it, mm-hmm. but that just goes to show you that it works. Almost, if it's something yeah. that's going to be banned, you know? almost max. everything's a performance enhancement. It's so hard to decide what's I not. Know, you can make that argument, right? Yeah. No, you totally can. I have something for Proper you guys. Training. You remember when uh, Joe from Viore came here and we interviewed him? Yeah. yeah, it was a while back. Do you remember the jacket that he was wearing? Yeah. Badass, right? Yeah, yeah. The, the one that was like kind of flannel esque. Yes. And he said it wasn't out yet. Oh, yes, please. And he said, yeah. Remember, when I was telling me I was jock. Yes, they it's just yes, Viore just dropped their fall collection and it was in it. So I'm all over. What's that. it called? It's called the Atlas. I need it. 
Yeah, no, that's a dope jacket. Their whole their whole fall collection is games. sick, but I've been waiting for that. That was like probably six months ago. It's been a while since we had it. Oh, right? I wanted to take it and, and not let him leave with it. Yeah, we, we, we were like <laughs> fighting over that, I remember. So I got Rachel on it right now. I'm just uh, see if she I had somebody actually walk up to me, recognize me, and he's like, oh, mind pump, whatever. He's like, I got Viore on. He had like the, the shirt. And the pants. Oh, the, the kid that was just sitting in here listening to our show, he was rocking the same pants you have. Same exact. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no. I, I, everybody that gets them, it's like one of those It's one of those brands because it's a, a relatively new brand. I mean, they've been around for a while now, but it's like one of those things that once you wear it, you're, you fall in love with them. Oh, dude, I forgot to tell yeah. you. I almost, almost this close ran into your favorite crush of all time, celebrity crush of all time. What? Yeah. Britney Ooh. Spears? So you guys know I was in, I was in <laughs> Disneyland, right? Saturday? Yeah. Sunday, she was at she was at fucking Disneyland. Britney Spears with her kids. What? Yes. yes. No way. It was all over the news. She was at Disneyland. Apparently, she you know she she's she was she was in the news because she's Britney Spears, but also because some of the pictures she took, she didn't look super. Oh. Great. Something looked a little Stupid. off about her. Yeah. But uh, fuck, Tablet. man. I'll I take, just missed it. Yeah. I'll take her with a shaved head. Bro. <laughs> 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 a little bit of weight. Dude, game, how, no cra- problem. how crazy would that be to run into you know, Britney Spears at yeah, fucking Disneyland? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. yeah no, you know she has that schoolgirl outfit somewhere. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> how old is she now? Oh, man. She's, I don't we're, know. We're close, we're close in age. We're she's got what, she's mid 30s, maybe? Yeah, we're a little yeah, older. Late 30s. Because when. Yeah, she's no, she she we're older. She's she young? Oh, really? Yeah, she's younger. She's younger by about two to three years, I would guess. So I'm okay. guessing 34, 35. Adam knows all the information. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. He's got his. I mean, her birthday's December fourth. Britnipedia. Yeah. Uh, Is it really? Look it up. See, her see birthday's it. December fourth. Are you serious? See if I'm right. See if I'm are you right. that silly? Oh, I don't know. Oh maybe. maybe. Are you dude. that silly? Maybe. About maybe. It? I don't know. Maybe we'll see. I'm gonna look her up. Look, look it up. She's 37 years old. Oh, she's 37. December second. Oh, see, it's close. See, yeah. What's the name of her parents? I don't know. Wow. I've never. You know, as I, you know, I openly talk about as a kid, I had like crush on her and stuff of that but i definitely have never been i never i'd never geek out on the fan the the celebrity thing it just never i know it never really it i didn't understand it i never followed like people magazine and e etv and like all into like yeah it's way overhyped yeah it it, it really is And, and i don't know if i'm trying to remember like what gave me that attitude if I had like a bad experience with somebody who was famous, but I don't think I did. Yeah. I think I just put it together really early on that people sometimes that we hold in this yeah. high regard that they, they're just fucking human. And in fact, they have as many flaws or more flaws than I have. Dude, I had that with uh, professional sports uh, when I would go to games and stuff with my brother and I, we, we get special access. My, we used to be friends with Jim LaFever who and his family and I we used to babysit his kids and stuff. And so he'd let us like sit where the players' lives wives sat and like we'd go, you know, in the dugout and stuff and meet the player. It was rad. Like it was like amazing. That was when the Bash brothers were a thing and all that. And we got but it's just like, yeah, they're 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 just dudes that, yep. that talk shit and like some of them are assholes and you know it's a like, lot of them are yeah uh, so, especially especially with athletes because athletes are there because they're fucking great at their sport yep, like, they're yep. not there they don't they give a, a shit that you're there right yeah they're yeah. not like they're, they're not about personality or being great socially like they're just fucking there because they play a sport no well, so. I, i'm the same yeah. way the only time i ever you know fanned out a little bit was the first time i met arnold but that's mainly because so obviously growing up watching arnold schwarzenegger movies wanting to build muscle, reading his books. Oh, my God, you know, yeah. most winningest Mr. Olympia. But then what really sold me was learning his uh, his success story. So then as I learned more about him, I learned, oh, he came to this country, didn't speak the language well, became very independently wealthy before he became an actor, decided he wanted to become 
one of the highest paid actors of all time. Everybody made it, tried to make him change his name because his name is crazy. You'll never make it because your accent. Mm-hmm. Yet he does make it, becomes the highest paid actor. Oh, he defied never, all the odds. Never changes his name. Yeah. Then he says, I'm going to be... I'm going to achieve one of the highest levels of political office I can, not being a citizen. Mm. And he does. He becomes a governor of California as a Republican, mm-hmm. which is crazy. So that's why I geeked out on when I met him. I'm like, man, here's a guy that just basically uh, embodies the American dream. He's an immigrant, uh, independently successful, was a, a movie star, became the top politician or whatever, married a Kennedy. I was like, this guy, like... <laughs> he does stuff. <laughs> he literally does yeah. everything he says he's going to do. Yeah, that's I think, super impressive. I think it also has something to do with like the way I grew up, not having a lot and having... Like someone like that, they seem so far away from me mm-hmm. that it just it didn't seem obtainable. It didn't seem like it would be anything I was interested in. So I actually like I used to love meeting people that were fucking normal people, but were like like uber successful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like if I just met some random dad of a, a friend of a family member or something like that that I knew was like he had a Ferrari or he had like a like I was so intrigued with that guy. That's why I like Batman. Yeah, right. versus Superman. <laughs> Fuck Superman. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just telling you, dude. Like, like it was the achievable. Like he just, you yes. know, he bought all his shit. You know, he learned some, you know, crazy like taekwondo in the mountains of somewhere. He came back, he beat the shit out of everybody. I'm sorry, it's far less believable that a normal guy <laughs> will never get killed and doesn't use guns and fucks everyone. Oh, dude, up. he has body armor. He's got like special like Superman. jets, and he's got a butler. You, you know, know what I'm saying? Like that's that's I real. Know. I have no like, idea. How you oh, took- I have lasers coming out of my eyes. And I read your thoughts. Get the fuck out! You of know, here. you just reminded me of. You guys have to. You guys have to watch this series on Amazon Prime called The Boys. Yeah, fucking awesome. You have you seen? You saw? I, I saw like part of it first, but I loved it because it was like it, it made the the heroes look like like dude. Dicks. So basically, superheroes exist in this in this show, and they're you know they they fight crime and stuff, but they're owned by this corporation, and they make lots of money. Uh, they're uh through merchandise and all that stuff, but they're like nor- they're like real celebrities in the sense that like, how do celebrities act when no one's looking? How do they party? What do they do? They're all like fucking real, you know, sleaze bags. But in the public eye, they're like, hey, I say. Yeah. So basically, the I first did this thing, the first episode. I'm gonna give away the first episode, but it's fucking awesome. Sounds very Deadpool esque. But it's it's really good and complex so far. I only seen two two episodes. Like in the first episode, what happens is what this one guy he's outside, he's talking to his girlfriend. You can tell oh, they're in yeah, love. I saw the scene. Whatever. And then all of a sudden, as he's talking to his girlfriend, she's like, "Do you want to move in with me?" He's like, "Yeah." yeah. She fucking evaporates. Just blood splatters everywhere. She evaporates like in and just. Turns into blood and, uh, and and mush, and he's like, "Oh my!" And then he's all just sudden, holding her her hands, yeah, like her arm, the rest of her body. And he's like, just "What exploded. the fuck happened?" And then it's a superhero who was just running hella fast. Yeah. He's like, "It's ah. like the Flash." He's like, "I'm sorry, man, I gotta go." Oh, oh, hey, oh yeah, <laughs> like a crackhead Flash just yeah. like ran through her. Yeah, and then but then in the in the press and stuff, he's like, "Oh, you know, I'm sorry." She walked out into the middle of the street. He's like, "We were on the sidewalk." She went. So you get to see like how they're painted. Oh, uh, it's great. And, oh, bro, it's so fucking cool. I'll check yeah. it. I'm gonna get. I'm gonna get further into that. Oh, Oh, it's sure. so it's good, called, man. What's, it, what's the name of it again? Uh, the, the Boys. boys. The yeah. Boys. The Boys. All right, and then right. it has politicians in there and how the politicians get blackmailed by the superheroes. Right. Like, yeah. like one guy like 
turns himself into a hot girl, is having sex with a politician, <laughs> yeah. blindfolds him, turns himself into like this real overweight older man, takes a picture, wow. so he's got blackmail. You uh, know, wow. it's really yeah. There's a, there's a. I'll, I'll look at it. Yeah, that's sure. pretty fun, dude. I'm look, I'm looking forward though to the new Bill and Ted's. There, there's the third one. I'm, I brought this up a long time ago, but they're actually like filming right now in the process, and I guess Kenya Reeves is gonna have an entirely new look. Like he's he's gonna have like this crazy hairstyle. Like there's pictures of it already where it's like this this weird like mohawk like a uh, kind of like a mullet mohawk thing that he's rocking. I so loved Bill and Ted when yeah. I was a kid. What's the do you know what the premise is gonna be? Oh, they save the universe this time through a song. It's like the same thing, <laughs> you know. <laughs> but you kind of have to though. It's Are like, they keeping a lot of the the characters and all the, all the people, the original people in it? I think so for the most part. I don't think uh, the guy that was like sort of their their oracle guy that would like take him around. I don't think it's. I don't think he li- he's alive anymore. Oh shit! From what I remember. Uh, what was the name of the group? Wild Stallions. Wild Stallions. Yeah. yeah. So they have to create now in their fifties or whatever, like you know, some relevant song hey. that's going to save the universe. And and they're and struggling for acceptable it. language has changed since the first Bill and Ted too. <laughs> they use a lot of like like uh, slurs and stuff Dude, that I, I totally are unacceptable forgot. today. I completely forgot about yeah, that. Yeah, so well, that'll uh, be interesting. And that was like they one hug of their- each other and then they break off. And yeah, they can't say that anymore. Was it one of you guys who brought up the Mario Lopez thing? Did you see that that that's going on? Who brought that up? Oh, oh yeah, I God. just saw. There was uh, a lot of heat. What was it for? I though? saw Steven. It's because he he didn't agree with people basically like uh, have it. Having their three-year-olds change sexes. Oh, trans. Yeah, yeah. because I thought didn't he thought that was too young. He thought that was too young for them to decide that. Yeah, he made a statement on it, then he then he retracted all of it because he got just lambasted. Because he wanted to save his job at at E. Everybody came out of the woodwork to try and take him out. Well, that's the part of the market. Part of the market is you get backlash and. Here's the way I look Steven at it. Steven Crowder ripped him to pieces. Did he? Yeah. yeah. Well, here's the way I look at it is your best bet in today's age of fast media is to say what you think, be honest, and fucking stick to it. Yeah. Don't, because the second you- That's what Crowder yeah, rips him to pieces because of that right there. Yeah. Because he's so. like, you lose all my respect when you do that. When you Well, because you're already screwed. Right, right. Like, yeah. if you say something unpopular- He's like, double down on that shit. You, 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 you're you better off just fucking, you know, I think Donald Trump's already proved that. Like, just fucking double down on it. Yeah. And then that's- own it. Yeah, you have to, right? Uh, yeah. That reminds me of a, a, a study that, uh, who, who was it that sent it? Was it Jackie that sent it to the group about um, millennials? Did you guys oh, hear about, about this? About the friends? Yeah, dude. So 30% of millennials actually say that they're lonely. Is it 30? 30% say they're lonely. That's a lot. And 22% of millennials say they had zero friends. <clears throat> really? Yes. 27% dude, said they is, had no close friends. This is the only, this is the beginning, bro. Wow. We're at the front end of this. Disconnected. And, well, yeah. so check this out. Baby boomers, 15% say they're lonely. Generation X, 20% say they're lonely. Millennials, 30%. Do you see a trend? Mm. It's yeah. fucking going And up, the dude. irony of that is that we are more connected than we ever have been to people. Yeah. That's the crazy. It's just, it's not, just the, not real. Yes. Yeah. It's not it's the right phony. kind. No. Not the right kind yeah, of Yeah, it's connection. not in-person, real connection. Well, of it's, course. Look, what, look how they're altering and contouring their face and like changing like- they're portraying like what they want people to see. It's not authentic. It's not a real thing to connect with. Well, and that's that, exactly. A, that's why I, I I totally identify with Player One, like the way they portray the future. And I mean, you remember the two characters, and one of them as character is a big, huge, buff black guy, and then in person, it's like this. Yeah, it's yeah. a girl. It's uh-huh. like. 
that's going to happen more often than not. And you're going to see people, and they're not even like you're, you think you're connecting with someone, and then you realize, like, oh, they're totally different than the person they've portrayed in Instagram. And well, we're seeing and you that. You feel like you're, you're bamboozled. You feel like everybody, you've been everybody does that. It's like, okay, the way I behave and act in front of people, if you hang out with me long enough, you're going to see, you know, real pieces of me coming out. But when I'm writing something on social media, there's a buffer, and I have a, I have a time to think about what people are seeing and how I'm portraying myself. And so whether you like it or not, you you portray a a better, in your eyes, right, in your mind, a better version of yourself. How can anybody connect to the real you when that's not the total real you? You can't do it. Yeah. And it's also the human touch and, and contact, like just being with someone, I don't being know, focused dude, I on come, I come from the radical yeah. honesty place. I just feel it's so much more freeing. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, the amount of stress. Imagine the, the stress that that, that would cause – to always be putting yourself in that light like that and feeling like you have to live up to that. Like, no wonder you feel lonely because you are probably scared to death to meet anybody or you be get around. depressed because you can't really be yourself. Yeah, they're like, oh my God, they're going to see me and they're going to realize I don't have the face to nap or all those clothes that I, that I bought or, that, or fake clothes that weren't even really on me. Like, I mean, it just, that's crazy. The stress of, of that is just not worth the the attention and likes that you might get in the the artificial fake. Yeah, world. well, we'll see how long it takes before it, it, if there's a, a little bit of a rebound or a backlash where people start to like, because you know this whole unplug movement that you know we've talked about. I mean, maybe that'll grow. Yeah. Maybe people will start to say, "Hey, you know. it will." It, the, the question I have is when, right? It's there's no doubt in my mind that we will see a rising of people that are promoting being unplugged and getting a discount. And you already see little little signs of it. Like you see, I've seen um, like signs at like uh, bars and restaurants that like don't have Wi-Fi. And they yeah. say like, yeah, no, wi- no Wi-Fi password. Talk to people, you know, yeah. like, they, and so there's, there's definitely some own people that own their own business that are pushing back on it, that are, are doing things. Like and I think right now that might seem annoying if you're somebody who comes in and you wanted Wi-Fi in there. But in the future, I think, more and more people will appreciate that because they'll see the need that, wow, we are so plugged in and connected all the time that there's some serious value in being unplugged and disconnected. I yeah, it was like when I was at that you know, a concert and they took everybody's phone or you had to lock away your phone and it was a completely different experience. It was really eye opening, uh, as to, you know, where we've gone with these phones and like having them at your hip constantly and like having any moment where you felt like, well, I'm staring at the wall or I could like, you would fill that, you'd fill that with researching. So you justify it. Like I got to text so-and-so I gotta like you don't have to do anything don't you guys catch yourself I mean I catch myself all the time with behaviors like that that I can't believe that I've already done to myself like it and I think I'm really aware like I'm very self-aware and understand like the I think the addiction part of it but I like I'll even catch myself you know we're Katrina and I are getting ready to go walk the baby in the stroller and it's just like natural for me always to grab my phone and put it in my pocket mm-hmm. but then what happens when we're on a walk and I get a, the phone vibrates or goes off you just you're so compelled to look at what is it oh it could be yeah. the guys from work or then it, could it be, takes you out of that moment you're yeah, having right. with Katrina and I are yeah. having a walk and having a deep conversation about our lives or what's going on or she's conversing and I'm listening and then also my phone goes off and now I'm reading yeah. and I'm I mean that's like terrible behaviors and I, I have to that you and you have to think to yourself like man if I consider myself a self-aware person I know that this is happening how many people are doing this like just subconsciously they don't even understand they don't even realize it, it the worst part is uh starting conversations with people creating connection and <clears throat> friendships 
is also part of it's natural, but part of it's also a learned skill. You learn how to do this better and better, um, and you build confidence doing it because you practice it. Well, kids growing up who don't do it, who who end up talking to each other through a screen, they end up losing that skill. So then you get oh, them together and you're 100%. like, hey, hang out together. They don't know the fuck to do. Yeah, what do we do? <laughs> I think it's mostly a learned skill. I don't think it's natural at all. I think it's something that we do learn. Yeah. I mean, when I when I get asked a lot on when we do the, these single interviews and people always ask where uh, the radical honesty or me being uh, outgoing or confident, like where does that all come from? And it really, it, can't, it was a learned behavior because- I moved around so much as a kid and I was always in a new circle of friends or a new neighbor. And it's like, you know, when you're a kid and you just want to play and have fun, like you don't know any better. Like I would have to go outside and go knock at the next door neighbor's house and say, Hey, do you want to come play with me? Yeah. Like, yeah. let's go if, throw rocks. Right. Or, or else I was sitting in my room by myself. And like, as a kid, like it was almost like I was, uh, I didn't know better. And so it was just a learned behavior. And then, you know, of course the very first time I had to walk over and do that, I was nervous and scared. And yeah. you know, what if he says, no, he doesn't want to play with me, but you do that enough times and you get told no one out of every 10, you just don't give a fuck anymore. And yep. then I've just learned to apply that as an adult today. It's no different. Like the way I approach a business, the way I approach asking for things or doing things, it's like, ah, what's the worst that's going to happen? They're going to say no, it doesn't work out. So what? I'm on to the next one. Yep, so, totally, yeah. totally. If you're looking to maximize your overall muscle and strength, MAPS Anabolic is the perfect place to start. With a full 30-day money-back guarantee, there is absolutely zero risk. So what are you waiting for? Go to mindpumpmedia.com and get started today. It's the motherfucking quad. The eagle has landed. First question is from Studley3. What have been some of the best cues you have found to work for the majority of your clients? Boy, this is something. Studly. This is something you learn um, just through experience, isn't it? Yeah, is, is how to cue your client to feel certain things, like uh, like when doing um, doing like a cable row, for example. One of the first cues I learned to say was to stick your chest out um, while you pull your shoulders back. But then I always still tell people to brace brace their core, like that, like they're getting ready to get poked in the stomach. Or pinch your finger. Yeah. and it, 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 Pinch your finger with your shoulder blades. Pull your between. chest to the bar and a lap hold down. Yes. Know, like things like that. Yeah. yeah. And as a personal trainer, you you know, cues are some of the most important things you learn because these are not, you know, you train the average person, they're typically not a super coordinated, you know, at least physically speaking, um, and connected person. They haven't worked out for a while. So when you tell someone you know, bring your elbows back or drop your shoulders or there's just don't, there's no connection. They just don't get it. Mm -hmm. uh, so you have to come up with these types of cues. Bracing your core is a great one. Now, bracing your core, a lot of people are like, what does that mean? When I say to people, pretend like I'm going to poke you in the stomach real hard with my finger and then they <laughs> instinctively they break, they brace down, yeah. then it makes a lot of sense to them. So that's one of my favorite, one of my favorite cues. Uh, I, you know, I like this question because this was a conversation that I, I felt I constantly had uh, when I was training trainers right? because I would get all these trainers that with all these certifications and experience and knowledge. Mm. And, you know, we, we tend to do that. And I see this in the fitness industry too. We're getting this pissing contest on who's smarter and, you know, who can sound cooler when they explain some exercise. And it's like, that's all for you. That's mm -hmm. all for you wanting to sound really smart. And as far as it being effective for the client and them actually being able to apply it or feel it, 
which is really the desired outcome. If you're a trainer, your idea is to be able to take someone through an exercise, them to understand it, get it done, and get it done properly to where they feel it correctly and progress. But unfortunately, uh, so many trainers get so caught up in uh, trying to sound really cool when they're explaining it and selling technical so they know a lot and they, they try and impress their clients that way. And I would always have to explain to them, like, listen, most of these people that are hiring you don't know a lick about anything. They barely know their left foot from their right foot. You're so far ahead of them. You need to learn how to distill all this information. And we see that even like in his example of that on like our YouTube channel, like some of the most viral videos that we've done are the ones that we have these crazy basic cues and tips. I mean, I think uh, the number one is the like the getting the butt to wake up, right? Mm -hmm. Like, So, you know, many people suffer from lower cross syndrome. And when you have lower cross syndrome, you tend to be hip flexor, quad dominant. So when you do exercises like squats and lunges and exercises that you would hope to feel it in your butt, you typically feel it a lot in your quads and your hip flexors. So, you know, how do I get my client to feel it more in their butt while teaching them like a floor bridge, which is a very fundamental, basic exercise and getting them on the floor and then teaching them to press their back first, which what you're really teaching someone to press their little back is you're teaching them to take their pelvis and get it into a neutral position. Yeah, but imagine mm-hmm. if you said tilt your pelvis yes, you know, into yeah. a neutral position, Not right? Work. right? Right. Yeah. So that's the, that's an example of a great cue of get them on their back. And say flatten your low back from yes. the floor. Yeah. You yeah. say squish, the, pretend you have a bug, you know, that's mm-hmm. between your, your, the arch and your back and try and squish the bug. And that's the type of conversation, that's the type of things that I would tell clients that, got them to to perform the movement that I wanted to so they then could feel it. And then you tell them to lift their hips and squeeze their butt. And now what you're doing is you're just helping them connect to the glutes. Then you take them over to mm-hmm. an exercise like a squat. Remember what I just made you feel? Like you want to feel that as you come up out of the squat, right? Yeah, so like retracting, cue. depressing your shoulder blades. Instead, you know, just pull your shoulders back and place your hands like you're putting in the back pockets right. of your jeans. You know, it's like a very simple thing, but... It gets communicated, you know, almost instantaneously. Oh, I can, I know what you're talking about. Yeah. Shoulder press, uh, pull your head through the window. That was a great cue. Uh, don't remember the very first place uh, that I heard that. One of the most common things you see when training clients and teaching an overhead press. It's just natural when we press up, especially when most people have forward shoulder. You know, mm-hmm. you. It's very common that you press up, you arch the low back, and you look at the bar. Almost 90% of your clients will do that the yeah, first time. They're looking up the whole time. Yeah, they're looking up at the bars they're pressing, and that's causing them to arch their low back, teaching them to press and pull the head through the window. Such a great cue. Mm-hmm. Such a great cue to get somebody to you know have a more straight bar path and then to bring it up over them uh, to where their their joints are stacked and their muscles are supporting the weight versus their, their low back arching. So that yeah. was a big one. And sometimes even they have apps now, which I love. I love some of these new apps that you have where you can literally pull up um, anatomy. And so this mm-hmm. actually helps with some clients where I'd pull up like the human figure and it would just be the muscles and I would isolate the muscle we're going to work and I'd say, okay, you see your chest here? Here's where it attaches on both ends. You show we, them how it functions. Yeah, we want to separate those attachments as far as possible. That's the stretch, bring them together, that's the squeeze. So now mm-hmm. when you're doing a fly, it helps them understand to not – you know, rotate their arm one way or another and keep that line of tension because now I'm showing them a picture. It's all visual stuff. And now why is this important? Well, these people don't, they're not connected to their body in ways that allows them to exercise uh, effectively. Here's here's another good one. Like sometimes when you teach someone how to do a squat, 
their hips go forward and they end up coming up on their toes. They don't know how to sit back in a squat. So one way I would help a client is I'd have them sit down on a bench and I'd sit them down and I'd put their legs in the right position and have them reach forward with their arms and I'd tell them to stand up. And then I'd tell them to sit back down in the exact same position that they were sitting in originally. And because they have the cue of the bench under their butt and they remember how they were sitting, they start to then move into a much better squat position. Mm -hmm. Another one is a lunge. Uh, you think a lunge is easy to teach, but sometimes, and it is easier to teach than a squat, but sometimes it can be very difficult. So what I would do with a lunge is I would get some thick pads, I'd put them on the ground, and I'd have the person kneel on it with one knee. So I'd get them in the finished position of the lunge. One knee on the pad, one foot up, mm -hmm. your toes are tucked under your back leg, and you're just kneeling, and then I'd have them hold onto a bar or a stick or my hands, and I'd say, now stand up, but don't move your feet. Just stand up so that your feet don't come together. And then they just stand up, and I go, now kneel back down on the pad, and then they kneel back down, right. and then we do it again. Uh, Push-ups. Another great one. I'd have people oftentimes bring their body all the way down to the floor, lay down on the floor, brace their core, and then press themselves back up, pausing in between the rep to give them that that plank position that you want when you're doing your push-up. Yeah, more vertical drive. I'm always stressing that, especially with step-ups or even squats or lunges and just like trying to maintain that upright supported position. So it's supported, it's upright, but it's supported, meaning you are bracing. You're bracing that core. You're, 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 you're able to withstand, you know, forces. So uh, I'm just trying to make sure like they know, like the goal is to get up, you know, as vertical as possible in a lot of these lifts. Yeah, I've said this so many times on the podcast, and in fact, this is what I teach and train when I go around talking to trainers. You know, the most important skill you have as a trainer is how you communicate the information that you have in your head. It's not the amount of information that you have in your head. That doesn't mean shit to the client. What you know means nothing unless they can understand and really understand and implement it. So if you think about it that way, now think about the average client. The average client coming to you is not looking to be a fitness competitor or a bodybuilder or a high-level athlete. The average person simply wants to be healthy, uh, improve their body composition, and just live a balanced, healthy life. Now think about that. How much information, real information, do you need to fully understand and implement to accomplish that? Not a whole lot. I mean, you're not talking about advanced training type of stuff. So, but but they don't fully understand it and they don't know how to implement it. So, how you communicate these things is absolutely imperative. Mm -hmm. And getting a client to move through good form and technique and to understand why they're doing what they're doing is extremely important. You can't just train someone. Well, and another good example is that is another viral video that you did on our YouTube channel, which is the plank video. Mm -hmm. I loved when we did that video because it stirred up so much shit on the proper way to do a plank. And one of the things that I know that we take into consideration when we're teaching something like that is getting the desired outcome. The desired outcome for a, a client is to get them to engage their core and hold themselves in that position and not allow their their traps and their low back to carry over the load. Now, what we know from, from that and knowing that when we've trained tons and tons of people, what they tend to do is they, they kick right out, the hips kick right out and they stress the low back and then their, their shoulders and their low back is what's really holding them in the plank position. And simply by cueing them to 
rotate the pelvis just a little bit, squeeze the glutes, and keep it active the entire time, now takes that exercise that so many people do wrong and make it really beneficial for you by teaching that. So There's your focal point. Right. It's very simple. Yeah. Right. It's yeah. like if you can direct them to that one specific thing to, you know, keep as an anchor, you know, you're doing well. I remember one of the first cues I learned uh, working out as a kid that really blew me away. I remember, you know, I started working out at 14 and I would do all the exercises in the bodybuilding <laughs> magazines and I really wanted to develop my shoulders. Um, I was really skinny and I'm not naturally wide on top of it. So I was skinny and narrow and I was like, I want to build some delts. And one of the exercises that I would always read about to give you more shoulder width for bodybuilding was the side lateral. That's where you stand up and you bring the dumbbells out to your sides with your arms slightly bent but fixed. And I remember reading an article where Arnold Schwarzenegger said, imagine like you're pouring water out of a glass as you're lifting the dumbbell. And it was a game changer for me because it just it helped me focus on rotating my arm just enough just to keep enough. my yeah. just to keep the focus on the side deltoid because the tendency is to want to rotate uh, externally to have my hand come up over the top rather than having my elbow up a little higher. So once I did that and I imagined pouring water out of a glass, I was like, "Oh crap, mm-hmm. I feel it!" And that was my first exposure to the power of cues and how cues can make all the difference in the world. No, talking about the shoulders, another great one. Uh, and we did a video. If you're listening to this and you're, you're interested in like really good cues for exercise, I mean, this is what how we use the, the YouTube channel. I mean, mm-hmm. this is a lot of the exercises on there uh, are simple, basic exercises that people have probably seen before, but we've got a lot of our coaching cues that are in there. Um, a game changer for me in, in line with the shoulders was the rear fly. Uh, I mean, for years, I did a reverse fly incorrectly. And by what I mean by incorrectly is I was allowing bigger muscles in my back to take over the movement. And it's tough to not do that if you're not cued properly. And so when you'd sit in a machine and you do the, the pec deck and you do it reverse fly or you bend over with dumbbells and you do a reverse fly, it's really natural for you to pull back the shoulder blades and squeeze the rhomboids together and the back because they're bigger more dominant muscles takes over and the rear delt doesn't get that much activity in it simply by staying in a rounded position and cueing to fly out instead of flying back man that's such a such a game changer and i I remember learning that and and teaching that to their clients that are trying to develop their rear delt and, and it's it's hard to isolate a it's impossible to isolate a muscle it's even more difficult to isolate a part of a muscle and you know trying to just do the rear delts and not let the rest of the uh, back take over uh, was really challenging so the the cue to fly out and staying in a protracted position versus uh, the the natural tendency is to re- retract and to fly back next question is from Wade Nguyen performance What would the conversation look like for you guys if you were trying to convince a female client with a decent amount of training experience to focus on building strength through the squat, deadlift, and bench press with the side effect of improving aesthetics rather than focusing way too much on looks? So this was a conversation that I would have um, relatively often with female clients. And it's not, it doesn't have to be somebody that was really experienced. Oftentimes, Clients come in and they have no performance goals. They only want to change how they look. And uh, they could care less about how strong they are, how well they perform. This tends to be generally more true among women than men, but this is also very true for men. I mean, a lot of guys would come in and I would get excited when a guy would come in and say, 
I want to hire you so I could bench press more or squat more. I'd be yeah, like, that's I would actually, get pumped. That's rare. Yeah. Super rare. It was usually I just want to change how I look. I really don't care right. about anything else. And so the conversation um, for me would be kind of like this. Like if we just focus on performance and uh, when it comes to nutrition on good health. So we, we focus on eating healthy for good health and training for performance. You're going to get a great deal of performance and health. And as a side effect, you're going to get amazing aesthetics. Um, somebody who can perform well and eats appropriately, they look good. You, you know, healthy looks good. Um, now, on the flip side, if all we focus is on, if all we focus on is looks, if everything is geared towards looks and we don't pay any attention towards performance and health, um, you may get some improvements in in the way you look, but you'll lose performance. Your health will start to decline, and over time, you'll actually have none of them. You'll have no no, no improvement in looks because if you're not healthy, you don't look good. If you don't perform well, uh, that you can only last so long with poor performance before your appearance starts to reflect it as well. And so you lose all of it. So really, the strategy of, of approaching performance and health as the priorities is a better, uh, it's a better gamble. It's just you're going to, you're going to get more of what you want if you do it that way. Now, that doesn't mean it's easy, right? A lot of people might hear that and then their motivation is to do that because they still want to look good. So mm-hmm. like, okay, well, I'm going to do that because I still want to look good. And so then sometimes my conversations would revolve around not weighing yourself. Um, let's only focus on how strong we are. Let's look at the weight that you're lifting. My conversations would revolve around their performance. Hey, look, last week you did this many reps. This week you did this many reps. Um, you could only squat down to parallel. Now you're going all the way down. Looks like your mobility improved. Look at your time and your sprints. Looks like you're running a faster, you know, 40 yard dash or whatever. And, and oftentimes me talking about it as a trainer, what you'll find is, is clients oftentimes want to impress their trainer. And so when you start talking about them, those start to become the things that they start to focus on and they just get better results. Here's the other thing too, especially with female clients, focusing too much on aesthetics tends to lead them towards the calorie restriction, calorie burning model, which in the short term, yeah, you could definitely burn a lot of body fat that way. But in the long term causes metabolic adaptations that are just not favorable long term. You end up with a slow metabolism or slower metabolism, and you're in a situation that's difficult to maintain. It's mm-hmm. it's difficult to maintain, you know, an hour and a half of activity every single day and 1,500 calories, uh, you know, intake every single day. Like, how do you maintain that for longer than you know six months or a year or two years or three years? Very very difficult. So I'll also tell them that and say, look, uh, here's a deal: you can get to where you want to go doing things this way. But to stay there is going to be really hard, if not impossible. And unless you only want to look good for a few months, then I think we should follow my advice, which is the long-term approach. Well, I, I this is definitely super common in this conversation. I feel like I've had a million times, um, and I and I agree with what you're saying right now. But I also recognize too how difficult it is to uh, change someone's mindset like this, and, and that typically takes time with me as a trainer. Like I've got to have you for months on months and months and, and built that trust before I can start to convince you to think differently. Like, and sometimes this is really tough when you first get a client because I remember also being this guy, like I, I was all show no go. So you trying to tell me that I should do this for health reasons. I don't give a shit. Like I just want to look really fucking good. I don't care. Uh, anything, anything else that's my main focus and someone else trying to convince me otherwise would have a hell of a time. So I know if I was that way, 
probably a lot of clients are the same way. So instead of me trying to convince them so much on like changing what they should be focused on, let's focus on what they want to focus on. But uh, neglecting those movements or not doing more of those would be silly. And the analogy that I always like to use for this uh, would be like, you know, giving somebody an example of an artist who sculpts. And if you've ever seen somebody who, you know, sculpts out of wood or ice or clay or anything, you know, they have all these chisels. And when they first start, they start with a big, massive, you know, block of wood. And, you know, the first thing, if you've seen some of the ones that do it from like a big old tree trunk, you start with a chainsaw first. I mean, it's a chainsaw that is chipping away at the biggest chunks to get down. And then they move to a, a finer tool and then a finer tool and a finer tool. And I would explain to this client that the squat, the deadlift, the bench press, this is your, this is your biggest tool towards sculpting the physique that you want. And you wanting to neglect or not focus on getting better at these these exercises and doing all the other stuff, we are using all the fine little tools. And you're trying to chisel away. And to Sal's point, like he said, sure, you could do that. It's not that we can't do it. But why would you do that? It's going to take you much longer to build the physique that you're ultimately looking for by not focusing on the exercises that are going to get you there the fastest. And so... Instead of me trying to change their mindset right away on probably what's better for them and healthier and the relationship where Sal is going, fine, we can let's focus on all aesthetics and it's all about training for that. I'm all good for that. But to not want to improve the, the movements that are going to get you towards your goal faster uh, would be ridiculous. And so let's put a lot of our energy and focus on getting great at these movements because they're going to give you the big, greatest bang for your buck to starting to sculpt the physique that you want. You know what's cool about this question too is have you guys ever had a client that wasn't excited about getting stronger when they actually get stronger? Right. right. Uh, it's never happened to me. Every client I've ever had ever, even if they could care less initially about strength, when they saw that they were lifting <clears throat> 10, 15 pounds more or they were able to you know, do more push-ups or a pull-up, Every single one of them got excited. Yeah. Now, th now this person is using is saying a female client. The the women tend to get more excited than the men do. Mm -hmm. uh, strength is extremely empowering. Mm -hmm. You know, I we, we do a lot of traveling right now with Mind Pump, and one thing that I notice is how many people struggle to get their damn suitcase into the upper compartment in the plane. And it, I see men struggling sometimes to take them down and put them up, but oftentimes I see women who are struggling, and you can see that they're struggling, and then someone else steps in to help them out. Uh, so for, for women to improve their strength, very, very empowering. And I've been told this uh, time and time again by women. Well, they'll come to me and say, look, we've been training for a year. I didn't really care about getting really strong. You know, you, you're the one that kept talking about it, and they're like, I, I, opened, my, you know, I opened jars easy. I could... You know, put things throwing bags uh, of concrete in the back of my car. Yeah, know? dog food, and yeah. it's like I just feel more solid in my body. I like being strong. I don't know anybody who doesn't like being strong. Yeah, I think the, for the most part, that's I try and reinforce that. Like, and when you have that opportunity, and kind of a compromise, like what Adam's talking about, even if you don't sell them on the idea, and you pitch that in the beginning, and you have this grand vision of like what's sustainable, what's 
what's going to be, you know, more difficult to sustain and what is your life? What do you want it to look like, you know, going through this process? Like, can, you know, is this amount of calories, is that something that you, sounds appealing to you for, uh, you know, a long period of time? Or is this something that, you know, is, it's a short window that we have that we're really focused on, uh, you know, getting this desired look, you know, in, in a quick and short amount of time. Um, but, you know, once you draw that out and you kind of like compare the two, and so I like to compare the two options and kind of, you know, show what the end result, you know, looks like and what, what state your metabolism is in at that point. Or, you know, like if we're focused on strength, now what we can do with the body that's cool and we can reveal this, you know, this muscle that you've built through this process. But even if you don't sell that in the beginning through the workouts, I love reinforcing, oh, wow, like how much easier did that last lift feel for you? You know, like, uh, and you, you try and like pump them up with, with the strength gains that they're accomplishing these extra reps and you know, mm. how much like, uh, you know, easier like life is in general when you're stronger. My favorite is, and I know you guys have had this happen a hundred times or more also as I would love it when a client, a female client in particular who, uh, you know, I, through this process is listening to me. I've earned their trust you can tell, though, that they're still like, but I still want to lose, you know, 10 pounds on the scale. I said, and I'm like, listen, it'll happen. Let's just get stronger. Let's develop your metabolism. Let's whatever. And then they'll come to me and be like, I, uh, I ran into some friends I haven't seen in six months. And every single one of them uh, asked me how much weight I've lost, even though the scale mm -hmm. says I haven't lost any weight. All yeah. of them thought I lost 15 pounds. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, you look different. You look different because your body is different. You're stronger. You're more fit. The scale doesn't tell you everything. I used to love hearing that. Like, where they come back and they're the same weight, but everybody thinks that they lost weight because then it starts to click for them. And then it's easy. From that point on, they start to believe it more and more because it's getting reinforced from the, you know, from the friends and their spouse. Mm -hmm. Next question is from K1000RR. Justin and Sal, what are the biggest developments you saw as a person when you became a dad? Did you feel Adam was missing some of the characteristics you've developed as a parent? Adam, can't wait after Maximus' can't wait birth. Hear, can't wait to hear this, you motherfuckers. Throw us under the bus. Adam, after Maximus' birth, did you notice any immediate changes in yourself? Oh, I love this question. Wow. I love it. Um, so, What characteristics did you guys well, think first missing? Well, first off, I'll say this. I, I, you know what? I'll tell Empathy. Say, no, no. <laughs> uh, no, no, no. I'll say this right now. I, didn't think you're, I don't think you're missing. I never thought uh, no. you were missing any, any characteristics at all. I was going to say, fuck you guys, because yeah. you were telling me the whole time I should be a dad. I'd be an amazing dad. Yeah, no, I don't think- You fucking lied to me. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Your yeah, potential. We, we thought you had a lot yeah. of potential. You weren't ready. No. Here's the deal. Uh, um, here's what I noticed for myself that, that changed a lot. It was my perception- of uh, of of life value of things, uh, meaning, boy, did that change! Like, I think before I had kids, it was a lot about me. Now I'm not going to lie; it was still a lot about me after I had my kids, um, uh, and that's that process took time to change in me. Um, but I, it was all about me, and it was about seeking things that made me feel happy. What what I realized after having kids was. Um, there's a difference between being excited and happy and having purpose. Mm -hmm. And purpose is more valuable. And what I mean by that is there's a study I like to bring up uh, on the podcast. And I used to bring this up to Adam before he had kids when he was kind of thinking about it still. And I would say, look, when they, when they do polls and they ask people without kids and they ask people with kids how happy they are throughout the year, 
People without kids uh, report less stress, less anxiety, and more happiness. And so if we leave it at that, everybody's like, well, why would we ever have kids? Well, because the following question, uh, do you have purpose and meaning in your life? Far higher with people who have children. Now, here's the, here's the reality of life. Whether you have kids or not, it's going to be fucking hard. Mm-hmm. It's just going to be hard. The, life sucks at some point for everybody, regardless of your money or re, regardless of your situations. You're going to have some challenges. If you don't have purpose and meaning, boy, is that going to be unbearable. If you have that purpose and meaning with your children, like I know if I have a terrible accident tomorrow and something happened to me and I'm paralyzed or maybe I, I can't speak anymore <clears> on the podcast, it would be very, very difficult. But my children, knowing I have that purpose, will drive me. If I didn't have them, mm-hmm. I don't know if I'd even make it you know, survive something like that. So that was the biggest thing that really changed. It also got, it was also a mirror. Mm. Nothing reflects your own shit to you like, like your kids, man. Yeah. I think that was the biggest lesson for me was, uh, I mean, it's true. You, you do sort of get outside of like your own agendas and, and it, it, well, it upends all of your ideas about like what, I need this to feel good. I need this to be happy. I need this to happen in this specific sequence for me to feel like I've accomplished something or like it, it sort of just throws a wrench in that whole thing and you realize what really matters. And it, but at the same time, it's, it's a complete reflection on, on your own insecurities, your own things that either, either you love about yourself or, or you, you know, you, you know, like you're trying to work on improving upon yourself and you see it play out, you know, with your kids. And it's, it's an education, uh, that's, that's unlike anything else. It, uh, it really does challenge you on, on a deeper level. Um, that, uh, you know, it's, it's something that's like, you have to experience it to even understand. Yeah. My, it's funny. It's like, if you're, you know, let's say you grew up and you were really shy and you became super insecure about that, and then you're trying to work through it as an adult, and maybe you're better, and then you have a kid, the odds that they're going to be shy of that is, are actually quite high. So you relive some of these situations and issues. It's a reflection. Um, you know, my, my kids can be total smartasses. Uh, when I was a kid, one of the biggest reasons I would get in trouble was I was a smartass, and I would talk back to everybody. I always had to have the final word, right? Mm. And those people who know me and listen to the show know that that's probably <clears throat> you know, that's quite true. Well, I have a fucking son that's exactly like that. He loves to correct people and loves to sound like a smartass. And so I get to hear yeah. firsthand how annoying that can be. And so it's, it's that mirror that reflects things to you. It's really cool. And you have to like drop your ego. Oh, ego. Let me tell you, man. You have to humble yourself. Your kids will humble the shit oh, out of you. Well, the other thing, yeah, so getting upset about things, that completely changed. You got to learn to be cool and roll with the punches. Like, it really, it, it's not like you realize like getting upset doesn't contribute towards, you know, the desired outcome for some of these things. Some of these things, it is good to be, you know, upset and maintain these boundaries, but you start to figure that out even more with having kids. Like what, what are the true things to really, uh, you know, take that type of energy towards? Yeah. As as far as Adam's characteristic, you know, that's, that's a, that's a weird question because I I, I don't know. I think that's his own. Yeah. (laughs) Kids, just they'll they'll bring the worst or the best out on you. Uh, my I th- I for 100 uh, percent believed, uh, and I'm, I'm right that Adam and Katrina will both make uh, amazing parents. I thought uh, I here's what I thought. I thought 
he's going to have a kid and he's going to he's going to realize uh, all the challenges that come with having a kid that you can only realize when you have a child. There is no way to understand it mm-hmm. until you have one. I don't mean like, ha, 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 you're going to see how hard it is. That's not what I mean at all. It's just something that people with children who are involved, parents, understand. Like, how many times have you heard this statement, Adam? You, you'll know when you have kids. Yeah. Like, And that's fucking annoying to hear. It is annoying. But you start to learn it when you have one. You go, oh, yeah, like, here's something that I learned. I learned the full capacity of love. Yeah. I loved my parents. I loved my my brothers and my sisters and my friends with all my heart. But then you have this child, and your capacity for love it just it just grows, and it doesn't stop growing. the 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 older they get, the more it grows. And you're like, where does this stop? It's just I do. It's feel, crazy. I do feel there's an advantage for people that are a bit more self aware and are already working on their own uh, insecurities, issues, things that they, they know their tendencies going in and what they can. Um, you know, and better and, and pass along uh, because it's, it is the great equalizer, you know, cause that's just going to come at you even harder. Otherwise, if you're not already currently working on those things, mm. you know, this, this question is kind of funny to me and especially the characteristics ones and assuming that I would be lacking in a bunch of characteristics to be a, a parent or a father. And what it makes me think of is uh, you know, Sal, you've talked about this on the show before, that uh, sometimes somebody who is an atheist can get criticized by someone who believes in religion. And a lot of times somebody who's atheist uh, understands religion as well or better than a lot of people understand their own religion. Uh, I feel the same way about fatherhood. I think that because I didn't have a father, um, I thought about being a father probably more than uh, most people ever have. And that's part of what made me wait until I was this age because to Justin's point, um, self-awareness has been a, a major, major focus on myself. For I had to fix all the things in myself and become a better version of me before I would ever consider raising the ultimate child of mine. And so I think that I've done a lot of work uh, to become uh, an incredible father my entire life. Although you would hear me talk and say things like, I might not have kids or I don't want a kid right now. And that isn't like oh, I don't want to be a father. It's that I know there's so much more work to be done on myself before I ever wanted to become a father because it's something that would probably keep me up at night most of my life. So I think that that's an area that uh, I would probably be underestimated on uh, what I would bring to the table as far as being a father. Um, it's something that I've always thought about. And I've taken, I took very seriously the, the day we got pregnant and um, I've probably read more books on it than the average person. I've put in all kinds of practices around my own behaviors and things, uh, things that I've noticed that maybe are, are a little bit different um, I, I that I wasn't expecting. I have a, a whole new level of motivation uh, that is in me. And I know the guys kind of said that, like, uh, you know, your drive financially and stuff like that. I'm already a very driven person and ambitious. Um, but I do find uh, this even... Uh, more purpose to be the best version of myself. So, if that means that I'm, if you're a if you're a natural provider, having a kid is going to make you right. Uh, I yeah. mean, because now you got someone rocket that, fuel, yeah. Yeah. right? So I feel that, and and it's funny because it's not that I feel that because oh my god, I need to make sure I have money. I need to have things for him because I'm already in a place where that's not going to be a problem for him. It's actually that I just want to be the best version. I want to be the best version of myself as an example for him. Like mm-hmm. one of the best ways I'm going to teach my my son to be a provider for his family and be ambitious and go after goals is to crush mine in front of him. Let him see that behavior in me. And so 
I've found this renewed motivation. Like even my training right now, I'm, uh, I'm the most consistent with my training and diet that I've been in a really long time uh, with less time, with less time, with less sleep, with less everything. Uh, but I'm more motivated than I've been. I haven't felt this motivated since I was competing to really put that much effort. And it's really, it's a, it's not a selfish thing. It's a selfless thing. It's it's this, I want my son to see his dad and be like so proud. Like, man, I got my dad. He's this old. He's fitter than half the dads that are out there. Like he does, runs this business. He's got all this. So I think about that stuff all the time. And I didn't see that happening. Um, so I noticed that about myself. And then the other funny one that I think that makes me chuckle every time it happens is I'm definitely more emotional for sure, 100. percent That one's a bit. Uh, I remember yeah. that. Yep. That I was watching something. The best. I was us. watching something stupid last night and like started to cry over it. And I was like, "What the fuck is this? This was." <laughs> it was. I was so embarrassed about it. it Opens was, your heart, bro. I mean, I Having a kid. Though, are, are you finding? Are you finding that you know? Because you. I mean, I could see you. You. You, you love your son, and it's great. It's <clears throat> wonderful to see. Do you find yourself just? It keeps growing, and you're like, it can't keep getting any strong. Is it really going to get stronger? And it just keeps growing. Yeah, it does. I think that's the. I think that's the motivation that propels all the other stuff yeah. going on. Is the the love gets deeper. The the wanting to be a better person and a better version of myself gets it gets stronger and stronger every day that he's on this earth. And so, yeah, man. I there's those are the major things that I think I've noticed that have, have changed. Um, I'll, I'll, can I make some? Uh, can I make some predictions on the yeah. air? Yeah, go All ahead. Because right. like. he's only a month old, so and there's a lot that's that that you'll there's a lot that starts to develop and change as he grows and as you have more kids, if you have more kids, and as your relationship develops with him and all that stuff, and as you solidify, you know who you are as a dad and all that stuff. I bet you'll start to get more interested in something that you usually have no interest in, which is world affairs and politics. Oh, I yeah. bet you're going to get more interested in than that. That happened to me. Yeah, because you start to think about all the shit that affects, for His example, future and stuff. education, school. Yeah. What are they talking about? What's oh, going the on? Bigger things. Oh yeah, you start yeah. to give a shit. You're like, what the fuck? I, I care about what's going on. I predict that'll start to happen. No, it's true. You. you know what else I noticed too was uh, I, I could I could totally identify and see like, adults that got fixed in a certain you know like pat like developmental phase like you could see like some of the stuff that they they have never worked on and you look at them as a little kid like mm-hmm. you're like oh wow like it, it, it's it's very interesting mm-hmm. to like you could see how little kids like become adults and like you know what happens like based off of whatever variables well, it's, it's more apparent i've shared that with you as a yeah. skill set that i've had my whole life I, I still to this day have that like it's it's what gave me the confidence to to interview the some of the people that we've interviewed when we first started this thing when you would think that you'd be really nervous but i have this ability and it probably being the oldest of five and and raising two young kids I think that that's I, I picked that trade up early on because I can sit in a room with somebody and I don't care how powerful, how smart, how talented you are. I can immediately see you at twelve, right? You know, and I could just unpack like all your shit, like just by talking to you for twenty, thirty minutes, and it all of a sudden puts me on this level playing field. Oh, you're fucking human. You just have learned to excel really well in this yeah. area. Super successful, but also you're still human. right. You still yeah. got all this other stuff going on. So how, I can how see about that. this one, Justin? Have you had this happen yet? Um, and, and this happens, I'm sure, to every parent. But this is such a hard thing to deal with. Is when your kid has a, a challenge with like friends or someone says mm. something mean to them or, mm-hmm. or something and you just 
they just have to deal with it. But yeah. you, you see them hurting and you're like, oh, it, oh yeah, it kills you inside you know? because you know the, the best thing is to have them work it out, right? Oh. And not to intervene at all. Yeah, my daughter, this was a, this was like a year ago or so, um, you know, I pick her up from school and she just was kind of quiet. And you know, as a parent, you know your kids. You just know, you know, how they feel or what they're thinking. You might not know exactly what's going on, but you can tell when something's off. I mean, my mom used to be able to do that with me. She'd be like, what's wrong? Tell me. And I'd be like, fuck, how does she know? She was just kind of quiet. She wasn't herself. And I'm like, what's the matter? What's the matter? And over and over and over again. And finally, I gave her some time. And then I, you know, entered into the conversation again. And she's like, well, today, you know, at school, we were all playing. And then so-and-so, one of her best friends, said she didn't want to be my friend anymore. And then the other girl that was with her said, yeah, she didn't want to be my friend anymore either. And so then I was oh. alone. And I'm just like, fuck. And you know, my was like, it's like second grade, you know? Yeah, yeah. This is what kids do all the time, especially right. little girls. They do this shit to each other. And I was just like, fuck. Like, give me their names. Yeah. <laughs> I want their number. addresses. I'm going to talk to their parents. No, <laughs> no, but you know, all joking aside, yeah. you just feel it, you know? Because, you, you know, as, as an adult, you know, it's silly. Like, you're not going to give a shit. It's second yeah. grade. Not a big deal. Don't worry about it. <laughs> But you know, you remember being a kid. Oh, yeah. You feel the same feelings with them. Yeah. And you're oh, like, it's, it's, oh, yeah. Oh, it's gnarly. I remember once when my son, he was like maybe six or seven. So he was real little. And we had his big birthday party or whatever. And um, all the kids went outside and they were playing some game where they had to jump over something. And he couldn't do it. And he came inside and he didn't want to play outside anymore. He was so upset. I'm like, what's the matter, buddy? And he goes, I'm not good at some of those things and I'm not going to do them anymore. And he's real sad. And I'm like, oh, fuck. Like, yeah. So I had this, you know, I, I, it hurts, but then it's a good opportunity to have a great conversation. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so I sat down with him and I said, I said, look, I'm going to tell you something right now. You're, there's always going to be someone better than you at something else. But mm-hmm. one thing you can always do is work harder than everybody else. So you can either choose to go outside and keep practicing and being the best or be okay with the fact that you're not. And that's okay. It's not. It's not that big of a deal. You could practice the things that you enjoy doing. It's just having these great conversations. But man, as a parent, you're just you become. That's it. You become vulnerable. Yes. You start to become all over bro. again. All yeah, over again. You have everything figured out, and then you. Be, that's a great way to put it. Yeah. All of a sudden, you're just like you're not invincible, bro. <laughs> you <just> opened <laughs> you up again for the onslaught. Yeah. You know, you know? Yeah. like your, your kid gets sick the first time, you're gonna be like, "What the fuck? Oh no, he's yeah. puking." Ah, it's hilarious. It was like pandemonium. Yeah. But anyway, but yeah, the emotional thing, bro. That's a that's a fucking big one. Yeah, that was pretty funny. <laughs> I mean, if, uh, the, we did that live event the day after he, he was born, and uh, <laughs> you cried. I cried at a question. I'm like, I've yeah. talked about that many times before. Right. For some reason it got me but and i've I've caught myself i mean literally i don't even i was trying to remember what the hell i was watching last night but i definitely know it was not something i should have been emotional <laughs> over it was like it was like two it was buddy, a taco bell commercial no it was like it was like a total like it was a like a you're guy a show it wasn't even now, like dude. a romantic or yeah. a, like a you know one of those shows it was just a but i'm trying what was i what was i watching i was watching something what did i just tell you guys that came out that i watched oh it was uh rocket man I watched Rocket. Oh yeah! I was watching Rocket Man. That's a great movie. And it was uh, the relationship, the bond that he had built with his uh, his best friend who wrote all the songs with oh, him. Oh yeah! And when he was expressing his love for him, you know, even though he's not attracted to him or anything like that, but when he was sharing his love, they're just him. good friends. Yeah, and it was like, oh god, oh. <laughs> I'm like, what the fuck? <laughs> best friends. Yeah. So, so I do notice that. I definitely, I've got a, I've got a softer spot. Uh, in me that I didn't think. Well, that your your boy is a uh, is teddy bear with claws. Yeah. That's how I like to look at it. And your 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 boy's blessed. He's blessed to have you as a, as a father. Mm. So next question is from honestly Haley. What does stay authentic mean to each of you? Mm. Ooh. Ooh. 
I think it. I think. I think. Yeah. Stay authentic is comes from one of our core values, which is radical honesty. Um, that's what it means to me, at least. I think that to to be authentic, you have to be radically honest with yourself first. Mm. And I think that we we live in a time right now uh, where fake is is more fake than it's ever been. Like I, mean, I think that we we put our, we put our best foot forward on Instagram. We Photoshop. We use apps to change our face, and and we're 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 the pendulum is swinging so far that direction that I think the message of staying authentic is going to be uh, really really important. I think that we all kind of saw that. Uh, early on when we first got in. And that was a lot of uh, the motivation of the unedited version of Mind Pump. Uh, we weren't very talented and we were very raw at the beginning. And I, I, I like to think that we're much better today than we were then. But what we cared more about being better or being a great show or having millions of listeners, we cared more about being authentic and being yeah. ourselves and true to Have a value system and stick with it. Right. If Be you want to simplify it you know, on that level, like – I know this is already going to be one of those words that's going to get polluted because you see uh, movements out there where like some of these these like how to make yourself, people, yeah they're yeah. trying to teach you how to be more authentic and so you sell yourself better by you know downplaying uh, you know your pr production value or, or you know like wearing certain types of like clothing or or how you're talking direct to camera instead of like uh, this this scripted kind of feel to it and it's just. You know, there's always going to be that. There's always going to be tricks and, and hacks and all this bullshit out there that um, I, I, I'm confident that people can see true authenticity. They can see that because it just exudes. It's not something that looks calculated or, you know, in the body language. It's very, it's very much to me, very apparent. I could, I could spot it out a mile away. And that's, it's kind of a hard thing to to teach that to somebody. You just have to own it. You have to be who you are. And I don't know whatever it takes for you to find that. Like that's the work you got to do. That that's it. That's just it right there. Authenticity is another word for um, self confidence, but in, in, in being comfortable in your own skin. But in order to do that, um, you have to uh, know who you are, and that's the problem. Mm -hmm. So I think the people on Instagram who post the you know, the butt pictures and they Photoshop themselves and the people who act a particular way, you know, and we think that they're fake or whatever. I think they're being authentic to what their true, what their values are. Their values are, I want everybody to think I'm a particular way. I want everybody to I like me. I want popularity. I want popularity. That's what they value. And that's the problem. You have to first kind of know who you are and if you're, if you're, and your values are going to come through. Now, if you, if your values are like for me, uh, you know, like, like for example, shoes, let's talk about shoes for a second. I value comfortable shoes. I like them to be comfortable. <laughs> so when I wear shoes, the first thing that I consider is, are they comfortable? And sometimes swayed you at all. And, and, and when you look at me, sometimes you'll tell, Oh wow, look what his Al's wearing. He must only care about the comfort of his shoes, but that's, that's me being comfortable with who I am. You yeah. see what I'm saying? Yeah. I'm just comfortable. It, I'm just comfortable in my own skin. Now here's the irony of it all. People love it. Yeah. So if you like just want people to like you, well, first off, wouldn't it be great if people liked if the people that liked you liked you yeah. for being yourself? Uh, that would be awesome. And I'd not, rather and not somebody you're pretending to be. Right. That's actually quite stressful and terrible. Oh, so, we see. I think we're. This is why this message is so important, and why we we trademarked it because of that simple fact is that 
I think we live in this era now where it, you just it's hard to find authenticity and more and more people are faking it till you make it. And I think it's causing all kinds of stress and anxiety and is, is becoming an epidemic. And I think mm-hmm. we're going to see more and more of mm-hmm. it. And this this message is going to reign true. Now, how many people are, are going to be out there saying it but still aren't doing it? Probably still a yeah. lot. But at the end of the day, I think this is the goal. I, re- I remember years ago teaching um, one of my, uh, my sales guys uh, how to do a presentation. He was going to do a big sales presentation. Um, to a bunch of the salespeople in the in the company, so there were going to be about a hundred people there. And although he was a confident individual, um, he felt uh, nervous. He was really nervous that he was going to talk to about a hundred people and do this big presentation. And so, one of the most impactful things I told him was, "Tell them you're nervous. Right. When you get up on stage, if you feel nervous, tell them all that you're nervous." And he did, yeah. and it worked. He got up there. Oh, it he, relieves the pressure. He wasn't everybody. hiding it. He got yeah. up there and he's like, like, look, I'm really nervous right now. Please bear with me. And it made him feel a lot better. And everybody in the audience appreciated that he was being honest with them and telling them the truth. When you acknowledge it, you know, it, it relinquishes the power of it, right? It does. And when you're and when you're comfortable with yourself and you have your value system, um, you're okay with being not liked. You're okay with uh, going against the grain. You know what I'm saying? Like, if I'm in a, in a in a room full of people and they're all giving an opinion that I completely disagree with, I'm comfortable enough in my skin to give them my opinion if they ask me. That doesn't mean I, I can I necessarily come out and say it because I'm going to be rude or whatever. But if someone asks me, "Hey, what do you think about this?" Well, well, I'll be honest with you. I have a different of a, of a difference of opinion. Here's what I think, and I'm comfortable enough with myself and and, and confident enough with myself where it won't shatter my belief in myself if other people don't necessarily agree with me. And so, authenticity is literally you have to know who you are, be yeah. comfortable in your own skin. It's the opposite of groupthink. Yeah, and then it comes out. You can't be more authentic. You have to be comfortable in your own skin, and then the authenticity comes out. It's like trying to meditate hard. It doesn't work that way. If I sit here and meditate hard, I'm not going to meditate. No, hard. that's where that's why it's derived from radical honesty. Like you have to first be radically honest with yourself. Like you have to be true to yourself that this is how I this is what I believe, this is what I stand for, this is what I care about. And I don't care if so. But radical honesty with yourself that's more it. than anything. That's exactly, what, right? Yeah, yeah. No, that's exactly what I said. Yeah. Radical honesty with yourself. You got to be okay with the fact that you're okay, that you don't give a shit what your shoes look like, that you care 100% that how they feel and sticking to that. Like, I don't, I just, you. it's not something that you can teach somebody. It's something that you first have to fix with inside yourself. And then the the stay authentic or the authenticity will bleed out. Mm-hmm. It is. And I'll tell you something, um, you know, one friend that, uh, is a true friend that knows the real you is worth more than a billion fake people who like the fake version of you. That's a fact, 100%. And the, here's again, more irony. You ready? The one, the, the one that's going to give you more business success is the real authentic people that really like you for who you are. That's the truth. Uh, and, and you know, you talk about conversion rates and how much you can sell and whatever. Being comfortable in your own skin and being who you are, you're just going to be far more successful than the fakeness. The fake stuff typically doesn't work, and if it does work, that is a uh, that's a a trap uh, that you'll be in for a long time, and it's torturous. And you see it all the time with celebrities and people who are miserable being something that they're that they're not. Mm-hmm. And with that, go to mindpumpfree.com and download our guides. They're all absolutely free. You can also find all of us on Instagram. You can find me at mindpumpsal. 
Adam at Mind Pump Adam, and Justin at Mind Pump Justin. Thank you for listening to Mind Pump. If your goal is to build and shape your body, dramatically improve your health and energy, and maximize your overall performance, check out our discounted RGB Super Bundle at mindpumpmedia.com. The RGB Super Bundle includes MAPS Anabolic, MAPS Performance, and MAPS Aesthetic. Nine months of phased expert exercise programming designed by Sal, Adam, and Justin to systematically transform the way your body looks, feels, and performs. With detailed workout blueprints and over 200 videos, the RGB Super Bundle is like having Sal, Adam, and Justin as your own personal trainers, but at a fraction of the price. The RGB Super Bundle has a full 30-day money-back guarantee, and you can get it now plus other valuable free resources at mindpumpmedia.com. If you enjoy this show, please share the love by leaving us a five-star rating and review on iTunes and by introducing Mind Pump to your friends and family. We thank you for your support, and until next time, this is Mind Pump.